Welcome to the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast, where we discuss the future of the energy industry, the challenges the utilities sector is facing today, and the people making it all possible. Our next guest is no exception. Today we're speaking with Joe Weiss, a managing partner with Applied Control Solutions. Joe will share his insight on the recent executive order surrounding security of the grid, specifically the procurement of foreign-made infrastructure equipment as these could potentially present vulnerabilities to our nation's utilities. But before diving into today's conversation, please let me introduce my fearless colleague and Energy Central's community manager, Matt Chester, based in Orlando, Florida. Matt, how is the heat treating you this August in Orlando? Between the heat and the pandemic, I've, I've just gone ahead and created a nice little indoor cocoon for myself at home. But hopefully soon enough, I'll be able to emerge and for now, just staying safe and comfortable. Excellent. Well, stay safe, stay cool, and stay hydrated. It's equally hot here in New York City. I'm Jason Price of West Monroe and host of the Power Perspectives podcast on Energy Central. Before we bring our guests to the booth, we'd like to thank Energy Central's partners who make this podcast possible. To West Monroe, West Monroe works with the nation's largest investor-owned utilities in their telecommunication, grid modernization, and digital and workforce transformations. From defending a rate case to preparing a business case, West Monroe utilizes a multidisciplinary team that blends utility, operations, and technology expertise covering topics including aging infrastructure, electric vehicles, AMI, MDM, and ADMS deployments, and industry disruptors like DER and cybersecurity. To ESRI, ESRI is an international supplier of geographic information the GIS software, WebGIS, and geodatabase management applications. To Guidehouse, formerly Navigant Research, a premier market research and advisory firm covering the global energy transformation. And to Hancock Software, streamline commercial and residential energy efficiency retrofits with Hancock Software. Our customers are delivering more than double the number of retrofit projects with the same energy engineering staff. Now on to today's guest. Joe Weiss is a longtime cybersecurity heavy hitter. In addition to providing guidance to industry, government, and utilities on cybersecurity topics in his role with ACS, Joe regularly weighs in on science and technology, as well as emerging security threat issues on his blog called Unfettered. He has authored numerous reports, books, and articles on these critical topics, including protecting industrial control systems from electronic threats, and a chapter on cybersecurity for the electric power substation engineering. Joe is a published contributor and member of Energy Central, and it is safe to say that Joe is an industry established authority on cybersecurity and a true expert in his field. Water systems, bridges and tunnels, and utilities are primary examples of infrastructure under threat from bad actors, rogue nations, and other vulnerabilities, be it aging equipment or even weather events. Experts like Joe Weiss are on the front lines working with energy and utility companies to stay one step ahead. We are grateful to have Joe Weiss with us to talk through these significant issues. Joe Weiss, welcome to the Power Perspectives. Thank you very much for the invitation. I look forward to it. The only other thing I was gonna mention is I also happen to be the managing director of ISA 99, which are the international standards on control system cybersecurity, which are the IEC 62443 series of standards. 
Perfect. Well, let's dig into more of your, your background. So before we get into today's theme of cybersecurity considerations regarding foreign-made equipment, can you share a bit more about your work at Applied Control Solutions, as well as other background to your experiences? To start with, what I think was important is I happen to be a nuclear engineer. My entire career has been spent with instrumentation controls, equipment forensics, etc. until I helped start the control system cybersecurity program for the electric industry in 2000 when I was at EPRI, the Electric Power Research Institute. So my view of cybersecurity is one of an engineer. And my focus is not on network vulnerabilities. My focus is what can be the impact on systems, the grid, pipelines, refineries, water facilities, manufacturing. Can cyber actually impact and affect the reliability and safety of our infrastructures? That is where I'm coming from on all of this. Applied Control Solutions, which is basically me, is I'm basically a subject matter expert helping others address the actual issues associated with control systems. All right, Joe, so let's dig into the vulnerabilities of the grid. Let's talk about the significance. How significant are the threats? What are you seeing? Do you feel the situation is receiving the attention it deserves? And, and contrast this with all the efforts that utilities are doing on performing grid modernization. I want to first start out with one other point, because I think this is really important. And it's defining what is meant by a cyber incident. And that becomes important because that will help me answer the question you just asked. The de facto definition of a cyber incident is you're connected to the internet, you're running Windows, and somebody is trying to steal or manipulate your data. The NIST, or at least one of NIST's definitions of a cyber incident, is electronic communication between systems that affects confidentiality, integrity, or availability. And what is really important about that NIST definition is that it does not mention the word malicious. That is really important. It does not have to be a malicious event to be a control system cyber incident. And that is terribly important for a couple of reasons. One is there have been many control system cyber incidents that the only difference between being unintentional versus malicious was the motivation of the individual. Did they mean to do it or did they not mean to do it? The second is actually much more important and it gets directly to the executive order. And that's that a sophisticated attacker is gonna make a cyber attack look like an equipment malfunction. And now the lack of training of the engineers plays into not identifying cyber attacks, the lack of the network people being able to understand the equipment malfunctions also plays into there. So now, given that, let me move to the questions you asked. 
as we modernize the grid, there are certain things that are going to go on. The first is whether it's with renewables, whether it's with natural gas, whether nuclear, regardless. If it's utility scale, you're going to have control system process sensors, things that uh, measure pressure, level, flow, temperature, voltage, current. You're going to have controllers to be able to adjust the equipment to respond to what the operator or the system dispatcher is requesting. You're also going to have protective devices. You know, we talk a lot about protective relays, you know, intelligent electronic devices, that it's there to protect our large electric equipment. Regardless of the direction of the modernization of the grid, that equipment is going to underline or be there regardless. And it turns out there is almost no cybersecurity or authentication or cyber logging today when you're at that underlying basic level. The cybersecurity is at the networks, not what goes into the networks or what the networks are trying to effectively provide safety for. Joe, why don't we talk about the executive order, uh, executive order 13920. Why don't you share for the audience what is, what is the executive order, what's the significance of it? First of all, let me start by saying I think the executive order is terrific. There's a lot of people who may disagree. The executive order is essentially what the EPRI program I started in 2000. It was all about the hardware. And it explicitly excluded all of your network devices. What was behind this, again, I can only tell you, everything I'm giving you is my perspectives. The executive order, as best as we can tell, came out of the fact that they had found if you will, extra electronics inside a large transformer that was ordered from China. And those electronics were not in the procurement spec and should have never have been there. Where this starts to look a lot like Stuxnet, famous last words, who would have ever thought of a Stuxnet type of attack in the United States. When Stuxnet was first found back in 2010 by Symantec and others, they found it because of all of the zero days. So their initial reaction was Stuxnet was all about stealing information. Why? That's what Symantec and the other network monitoring organizations focused on. Well, this was a programmable logic controller's database. Turns out there's no real information to steal there. The only thing there is really real runtime information that would be of no value to anybody other than somebody who wanted to know what was actually going on with the controllers 
potentially with a view of wanting to modify their operation. There was no, if you will, intellectual property or anything else to steal. The parallel to what's going on with the executive order is that the hardware backdoors that were found in the transformer, you know, that was installed at the, uh, and this is public, in the, you know, WAPA substation, you know, this is inside the transformer. There is no information to steal there. The only thing it's doing is providing effectively remote command and control capability. The second thing that should really bring pause to people is there was a second transformer involved. The first one that was installed at WAPA was installed in the August 2019 timeframe. The second transformer was intercepted in the port of Houston probably first quarter sometime of 2020. And that transformer was taken and sent to the Sandia National Laboratory where it is currently undergoing detailed testing. Now, some utility is missing a large electric transformer. It is unheard of for DOE to intercept a large electric transformer on the way to a utility to want to be able to tear it apart to understand what's in there. It turns out there's well over 200 large electric transformers in the U.S. electric grid today. We do not know how many of them have these hardware backdoors in them. There's a lot of people that think that the executive order is forward-looking. People better realize what's going to happen with over 200 large electric transformers today if they have hardware backdoors that China can manipulate. That is a very, very scary thought. What is, fa most, one, what is almost most fascinating about the executive order is everything that is in scope for the executive order is out of scope for NERC SIP and the NERC supply chain. Everything that's in scope for NERC SIP and the NERC supply chain is out of scope for the executive order. We have a disconnect here. Who's walking through it? The Chinese. Joe, can you elaborate a little bit more on these 200 large transformers? How do we know that there are 200 that remain outstanding or in rogue? And what's being done about it? The, the number comes from an ex-DOE counterintelligence executive who is now with one of the electric utilities, who was quoted as saying that. In fact, what he was quoted as saying was something like 10 years ago, there were zero large Chinese transformers in our grid. Today, there's well over 200. I mean, and you can go to the website of at least one of the major Chinese transformer manufacturers, and their marketing will show you with pictures 
a number of the U.S. utilities with those large Chinese transformers. The real question is, what are we going to do about even knowing if the Chinese are in? Joe, let's discuss one of your recent blog articles. You titled it, ICS Cybersecurity is the Second Coming of the Maginot Line, where you discuss the popularity of foreign-built electrical equipment for the grid, and a lot of this equipment is being categorized as operational technology, or OT. Yet these are equally vulnerable and not being addressed, hence the comparison to the Maginot Line. As I'm talking to you, I'm on a mobile phone with likely 90% of the components manufactured outside the U.S. How real is the concern, and where do you draw the line on the use of foreign-made equipment? The obvious response is, great questions. <laughs> One of the problems we have, in fact, there was just recently, NERC and FERC put something out about Huawei and ZTE chips. When you start talking about supply chain, I'm not trying to be flippant. It's a very deep subject because if you're talking about, say, a pump, well, the pump may be made in the U.S., but what about the chips in that pump? Because nowadays things are, quote, unquote, intelligent. The next question is, where was the firmware and the software written? There's an awful lot of hardware, software, and firmware that's been outsourced? This is a really tough question. I also, you know, because you brought it up, and I know this is later, I should have brought this up right at the beginning, and that is the term OT. O the term OT or operational technology is thrown around a lot. And it is very, very, very misunderstood. OT was a term that was coined by Gartner, as best as I know, years ago, because Gartner really didn't understand control systems. So it was a way of distinguishing between IT that they knew and the control systems that they didn't. Well, that was an artificial term that was going to if you will, the security people. Today, generally, OT are the network people. They're the people who are dealing with the control system networks as opposed to the IT business networks. Generally, what they are not is the relay engineer, the instrument engineer, the safety integrated system engineer, the engineers often have never even heard the term OT before. So when you start talking about this, we're talking about equipment that even to this day really doesn't have cybersecurity as part of its design. So Joe, do, do you think the broad-based orders like the, the recent executive order at all create effective prevention or, or does it really just push the various stakeholders to almost find loopholes and it, it's more for saving public face than being able to actually prevent the damage. I'm going to give you a different answer. My hope is okay. the following. I think it was May 6th. It was several days after the executive order. Moody's, you know, the credit rating agency, 
put out a formal notification that meeting the executive order was credit positive. The implication being not meeting the executive order is credit negative. Moody's is doing this because of risk. So I would caution the utilities, EEI, and all the rest of these organizations that are coming up with these quote-unquote workarounds that are not meeting the intent of the executive order, that the credit rating agencies may take them to task for that because they are not reducing the risk. This is one thing that I believe has changed is up until now, it's been all about you know, when DOE or NERC or somebody comes out with their FERC, some type of requirement, the first thing is how can we work around it and really not meet the intent or the spirit of what the regulation was. In this case, you have a credit rating agency who thinks the spirit of this is exactly the right thing because it will reduce risk. Trying to work around that you're doing, it is the term, at your own risk or your own peril. All right, so let me ask you the following. Everything you said, is there a way out? Is there a solution? Is there someone out there or utility out there that's doing it right? Walk us through either some, an entity that you're aware of or an entity that would need to go through a set of measures to get to what you feel would be where they would need to be? First of all, technologically, there is nothing anybody can do today because the technology isn't necessarily there. Where I'm coming from is I am working with an entity that is actually coming out of the government that has developed very interesting process sensor monitoring technology that would be able to do two things. One, detect counterfeits, because here's the other thing that is also dealing with the Chinese and what we're, what we're dealing with. And that is they're providing counterfeit pressure and differential pressure sensors in North America. That's safety. We need to know if we can count on what we've got. The second thing is with the back doors. We need to know, is the data, the sensor data, going to the tap changers, to the protective relays, to the equipment monitoring, you know, to the turbine controls, you name it. Is it coming from where we think it's coming from? This technology, it's already been proven in the lab. It needs a little bit of funding to get the prototypes and get it out. Can be almost an ultimate game changer. Because what it's doing is it's looking at the physics. You can't hack physics. It's not susceptible to ransomware. It's not susceptible to any of that. It can tell you is the sensor and therefore the process doing what it's supposed to do. The supply chain is just one aspect of that. 
this can get us out of this never-ending whack-a-mole scenario where we're waiting for the next cyber, quote-unquote, zero day or whatever to come down the pike. This would change the whole thing by saying, if our systems are doing what they are supposed to be doing, then we don't have a supply chain problem, we don't have a cyber problem, we don't have an equipment problem, but up, but up, but up. If it isn't, that's when you take your tools out and you go look and you say, what's there, what's causing it? This is the only way I can see for us to get ourselves out of this mess that we're in and think about from a different way. Pretty much every time you you, you, you turn on the, the radio, you look at it, something on the, on the web, whatever, what are you finding? Another cyber attack, another ransomware attack. This is immune to cyber. It's physics. You can't hack physics. Does that answer your question? It does. Thank you. Well, Joe, it looks like the Department of Energy has its work cut out for themselves in the following months and years. Not just the Department of Energy. Everything we're talking about is every bit as relevant to the Department of Homeland Security. Right. You know, the people need to understand if we don't have good process sensors for electric, we don't have good process sensors for water, chemicals, transportation, manufacturing. Solve one, we start solving them all. We haven't solved any of them yet. Understood. Joe, I want to thank you for helping our listeners understand the current state of cybersecurity threats to the United States and the impact of foreign-produced equipment and as it relates to the energy grid. If any of our listeners want to reach Joe, then you can do so through the Energy Central platform. Thank you once again, Joe Weiss, for your generous time on today's podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. And I'm your host, Jason Price. Plug in and stay fully charged in the discussion by hopping into the community at energycentral.com. And we'll see you next time at Energy Central's Power Perspectives podcast.